Lord, thank You. Now this morning we remember that this is all about You. As we head into this Christmas season even, Lord, we remember it's all about You, that You deserve the glory, You deserve the honour and the praise. We thank You for all You're doing in our midst. We thank You and praise You in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Please be seated. And let me add my welcome. It's so good to see you here uh, up on the mezzanine too. Welcome, it's great to have you. And of course, those online, great to have you uh, joining us this morning. And we're about to head into a series uh, on Christmas, uh, the arrival of the Messiah, Saviour, Jesus coming. And this morning, uh, we re- realise it's uh, good news for all. And so we, we want to... Uh, have a look at a bit of what God's doing around the world. And we've got the Hodges family who are much loved here um, coming to share with us briefly. So could you welcome uh, the Hodges family up onto the stage this morning? For those that don't know, Paul, Alison, Elijah, Jacob, or Ethan and Jacob, um, they've been working uh, in Cambodia for eight years now, a real key part of our church. They're so loved and they've been a blessing. Uh, many people blessed over the last six months as they've returned and lived uh, with us here. Um, we just wanted to have a little bit of a, a chat to these guys. They're preparing to go back to Cambodia in the new year. So we just want to hear a little bit about what God's doing, how we can support them and pray for them. Um, but we would love to show that first up, just to get a little bit of a glimpse of their life in Cambodia, we thought we'd show a little bit of a video that will give you a picture. So let's have a look at that now. A number of years ago, Paul and I were deeply moved by a question. And that question is, you say you love the poor, so tell me, what are their names? That question has very much shaped our calling and when we return to Cambodia, you know, our calling back to Cambodia. And our focus and as a family has really been about that. Just living in relationship with people, you know, in our local neighbourhood, getting to know them, getting to know their families, their kids and just getting to know their names. Our intention um, in returning to Cambodia was always to live in an urban poor neighbourhood. And God led us to an absolutely amazing neighbourhood. Um, we call it the Tigers. Very sort of high density, noisy. Yeah, so life in Cambodia looks quite different to what it is back here in Australia. We live in a really densely populated community. Um, the homes are very close together, only a few metres apart. Our doors are always open, so we have lots of kids coming, sitting at the front, on tables, painting. Alison's great at making arts and crafts and making things fun. So many of the the families, they have so little from a material perspective, yet we do live in relationship, you know, we we still, our kids still play on the street with the neighbourhood kids and, you know, we we have conversation around the dinner table and as much as, as we are different, we are so much the same. Well, one of the highlights of our time in Cambodia has been the opportunity to connect uh, with the boys in our community through uh, sports ministry. Not only are we able to see them as our neighbours, but we're able to invest intentionally um, in their lives. And so there's been opportunities where we've been able to run a sports camp, we train each week with the boys, and we're able to share Christ. One of the things we learnt from the, the time we first lived in Cambodia back in 2013 and 14, unless you actually have a deep understanding of their language and their culture, you can never truly live in relationship with people. So learning language has been hard. Um, one of the ways in which we've learnt uh, the language in a really natural way is actually speaking and spending time with the kids in our community. We feel like sometimes we know things and then they bring us back to a place where we're actually, uh, we realise how much we don't know. We've learnt quite a bit and people are very complimentary of the way we speak our Khmer, but we know that there's still so much more to learn. So we as a family are sent um, by a mission organisation called Pioneers, but our ministry focus in Cambodia is with an organisation called Alongsiders International. It's a volunteer movement of young Christians right throughout the world, basically walking alongside children who are vulnerable in their own communities. And what they do is they choose a child from their community and they commit to a mentorship relationship with that child. And through that opportunity, they share the love of Christ with them and then they disciple them. 
One of the other parts of what we do with Alongside is Shalom Valley. It's Cambodia's first adventure campsite. A place like Shalom Valley is so important for a country like Cambodia that has gone through so much. They come to this amazing campsite. They have opportunities to you know, do adventure activities. They sleep in beds. I mean, some of these kids have never, ever slept in a bed before. They get to experience what it's like be part of a family or a community, but the beauty of it is that while they're there, they are introduced to the love of Jesus. We're really excited about what God's calling us to do next year. Uh, we plan to be back in Cambodia early next year as a family. Uh, we're grateful for the, the support of our community here, uh, the way um, that we've been blessed in so many ways through prayer, financial support, messages of hope and encouragement. Um, though that support carries us into our ministry and the work that we do in Cambodia so that we can show um, Christ's love to the people that we work amongst. And as we get to know their names, we get to share um, and we get to teach them about his name um, so that we can bring that love and hope of Christ um, amongst the community in Cambodia. Amen, isn't that amazing? Come closer guys, come over, yeah. Uh, I felt we got a real window into their life over there. And isn't it amazing that we can join these guys, support them in what they're doing and sharing the love of God there in Cambodia. Beautiful faces, hey, the people God loves so much. And so great to be able to, to do that and support you. Um, as you said, you're planning to head back there in the new year. Um, there's a lot changed in the world over the last little while. Um, how can we be praying for you as you begin your ministry back there, again, re-enter that, that space? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, and thanks, church. It's always such a joy and privilege to come and to share with you guys. And we really acknowledge and know very deeply that anything that you see on that video there, or anything that sort of anything to do with our family is a partnership. You know, it's a partnership with, with all of you here and we are so blessed to have Bridgie as our sending church and our community here. We've just experienced um, six months of being back here amongst the community here and it's been a time of incredible blessing. Um, the word that Paul and I just keep coming back to is just gratefulness and we're so, so grateful that we have a home. We are so blessed. We have two homes. <laughs> you know, we have a home here. We have a home that our boys have been able to re-enter and to become, you know, sort of part of again here back in Brisbane because of this church and this church community and so many families and individuals in this church community. And yet we also have this incredible blessing of, of having um, our neighbourhood in Cambodia as, as this other home, you know, we're, we're so, when I look at that video, um, yeah, I do feel this real sense of homesickness to mm. just be, be back there and, um, you know, uh, somebody asked me the other day, oh, you know, when did you first realise that you loved Cambodia? And I was like, oh gosh, I don't think I've, I actually do. <laughs> I don't actually think I do love Cambodia. But when I look at the faces on that video, um, I know that God has given us a very deep love for the people of mm. Cambodia, the, the, the children, the young people, the families in our neighbourhood, the, the incredible young people that we get to serve alongside, within alongside us, our colleagues and our, and our team down at Shalom Valley. And, and so, yeah, so we are incredibly blessed um, and we're full of a heart of gratefulness uh, because of the the love, obviously, that we experience when we, we are amongst you, but also this incredible privilege that we have to share the love of Christ um, to those we love in Cambodia as well. Mm. So yeah, so we're looking, we're, we're feeling that the season is shifting. Jacob just finished grade 12 um, last Friday, gone. And so the season that we've come back for has been rich and blessed. There's been a lot of change and transition in our, in our immediate family, with our parents. Um, Jacob, obviously, transitioning now into... Um, leaving school, but there's a shift of season happening um, right now with, uh, within us as well as we just sort of turn our focus back to Cambodia. We'll be, um, God willing, heading back there um, in the first week of January. And we know that things change really fast 
in countries like Cambodia as well. Um, it's a poor nation, it's a developing nation. People in our neighbourhood are very vulnerable, so it doesn't take much for things to shift and change. Um, and so we, we don't really know what we're going back to, um, but we're excited about the opportunity to, to be back um, as soon as sort of God opens that door for us to return. Um, COVID has hit Cambodia pretty hard now, and so we know that we, we know many families, both within our missional community and our local um, neighbourhood, and our, 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 our team at Alongside Us, Shalom Valley, have all sort of contracting COVID now so that'll be a big shift for us I think stepping outside of Queensland again and um, and Jacob won't be returning um, to Cambodia with us it'll best be um, Ethan and Elijah and Paul and I so there's a lot of shifting going on um, as well but we are incredibly blessed um, you know just we're just talking about that love, you know, this mm. is love, you know, that's, that's why, and, and we, we feel that, that calling comes from just the love that God's given us mm. to step into that neighbourhood, and the scripture that really drives our family is that, that scripture from John 1, which says, you know, that Jesus stepped out of heaven and he moved into the neighbourhood, and that's what we celebrate at this time of year as well, isn't mm. it, that, that, that coming of the Christ, God incarnate, like we know that Jesus stepped out of the most beautiful, exclusive, you know, glorious place that he could ever, ever be. And he stepped out of that to come to the world for our sakes, to mm. demonstrate his love to us. And that's just the calling that God gave our family, just to step out of all of this, all of this mm. that we love, um, our, our parents, you know, here, um, our, our family, our friends, our community, to step into and dwell amongst in that neighbourhood um, in Cambodia. And, and that's, that's what we're looking forward to getting back to. So thank you very much for your love and care for us. That's good. Yeah. And we would love to be praying for you as a family. We love you as a family. We're behind you as a family. Um, how can we be praying for you in this season? Yeah, just um, I think, yeah, as Ali was sharing, it has been a big transition for us. So if you could really be praying for us as um, a family personally. Um, We've found it quite. Um, I'm find, we've like we've, I'm finding it quite difficult uh, transitioning back to the four of us this time. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. It's like it was only last year that we sent Jacob back to you um, in September, and um, and I found that quite hard, mm. um, putting him on a plane by himself, uh, having to quarantine by himself, mm. and um, and. But like through it all, I just want to say, you know, as much as it's, I'm upset and it hurts and it's, um, it's difficult, uh, God is so gracious to us mm. and there's been so many blessings to our family. Um, and I talked to him about it and God said to me, Paul, you know, um, as much as you're apart, um, you're still in relationship. Because mm. um, I said to him, I, I just, I couldn't, I was still, I was struggling at the time saying, how do you do this, Lord? How did you send Jesus? Yeah. How did you send Jesus to earth for us at this time? And, and how did you do that knowing what he was going to um, on earth? And, um, and he just said to me, um, Lord, like, Paul, you're, you're, you're still in relationship with your son. Um, I will care for him. And that's been really evident to us. Um, Jody was sharing about many little blessings and stories. There's so many blessings I could share this morning of how the Lord has gone before us for Jacob and, and for our, our family um, to prepare him for this coming season. And so if you could just um, keep us in your prayers. Um, our boys too, it's hard as brothers being separated. Mm. I know we're a pretty ordinary family in the fact that there's a lot of conflict and fighting and all sorts of that craziness yeah. um, that every family has at different times. But um, if you could, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just uplift us. And I know you will, and, and, and we've seen the fruit of that um, in many ways. So just That's appreciate good. your prayers in that regard. Oh, isn't it good? Isn't it amazing? Uh, yeah, just to see... Just to hear your love, the love of the father too for his family and, and also to recognise love comes at a cost, doesn't it? Like you can't love without a cost and we see that in your lives. You're an example for us and you inspire us to continue to love in our communities as well. So we wanna say thank you for that and we wanna continue to pray. 
Uh, church, I wanna say, like, these guys have got some prayer cards that will be down the front here. They'll be at the info desk or please come and see Paul and Nally. As a church, we wanna wrap our arms around these guys. We wanna support them. They are looking for financial support over the years that, that dwindles naturally over time. So if you can support in that way, we wanna encourage that as well. Um, and isn't it a privilege as I see those faces that we can share the love of God into that community through this family. So uh, we count that as a privilege. We love you guys. And I wanna, would you join me in um, praying for them this morning? Lord, you are love. That's what the scriptures say. God, at the heart of who you are is, a, is an incredible love. And the reality is that we love because you first loved us. It's the love that, uh, this family, each one of them individually has received an experience that allows them to love at great cost. And Lord, we just wanna pray, God, that this love would flow through this family in such a powerful way there in Cambodia. We pray over every friendship, every connection, Lord, every plan and purpose that you have there, that Lord God, they would know you're leading, that they would know you're empowering. I wanna pray, Lord, just for a supernatural joining of this family despite distance, Lord. Um, that God, you, you honour them, you honour their sacrifice, you honour the cost, but Lord, draw them closer to one another. Um, even the loss, would you meet them in the midst of that loss of each other, the grief, Lord God. But Father, strengthen them that they would be stronger as a family, Lord God. And that many people actually would see you and be glorifying you because of the way they're living out their calling. So Lord, bless them. Help us as a church to surround them, to pray for them, to bless and encourage them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Could we thank them again? And please uh, take the time to catch up with Paul, Ali, and the boys. And I wanna say uh, for Jacob, Ethan, and for Elijah, actually, they're as much as that call um, as their parents as well. And living that out and sharing their faith and loving those that they're connecting with as well. So we're praying for you boys as well. And, and Jacob, now that he's here in Australia with us as well. Well, this is love. This is the series we're about to go into in the, uh, as we go into Christmas, looking at the Christmas season. Uh, that story of Jesus coming to earth and that picture, it's like God broadcasting, this is love. Uh, so we're gonna look at a Christmas series uh, this morning and I'm gonna take us to a passage or a part of the Christmas story that you would have heard many, many, many times, possibly every Christmas you hear of this story, very, very familiar story um, we're gonna look at this morning. But I'm gonna, I wanna encourage us with three points um, out of this, one, this story. But let's have a look at it first. That's from Luke 2. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place with, while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judah to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Familiar story? Yeah, heard it before. I wanna bring out three little points from this this story, three R's, so you can remember it and you can tell others about it, you remember it. The first one is that this is a real story. We hear it over and over, it's a beautiful story, there are songs about it, we see it in little video clips, uh, but it is not mythology, it is not a fairy tale. It seems, there are parts of this story that might make you think, well, it's just a fairy tale. But the first thing I wanna bring out this morning is that it is real. And Luke goes to pains so very intentionally. He, he grounds this story in human history. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. He places it not only where it's happening, in and around Bethlehem and Jerusalem in the Roman Empire, but in the time of Augustus Caesar and when there's a recorded census. This is history. 
It's real. And in that, we can look at the, I want us to have a little bit of a look at who Caesar Augustus was, because there's a nice comparison going on in this passage. Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor. He was actually born and called Octavian, but later on he was given the name Augustus, which means worthy of reverence. It's like he is worthy of worship, that the Roman Empire began to worship him and see his, him nearly as a god. Actually, on coins at the time, it had written or, or ascribed into these coins that he is the saviour of the world, sorry, or the divine Caesar, or even the son of God. And in this time, it was a very successful, prosperous time within the Roman Empire. Roads were built, like incredible roads the Roman Empire uh, had. There's great stability, 200 years of peace within the Roman Empire. So he is a, a well-renowned leader, incredible leader of the Roman Empire. And he makes this decision to call a census where everyone within the empire must go back to their place of, 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 birth, of birth, where their family came from, and um, pay their taxes, importantly, they would pay their taxes and they would be counted. So Caesar would have a great idea of the money that they needed to build these roads and to make sure he could pay all the soldiers that stood on the streets to keep the calm. I mean, there was peace, but it was only peace because they had the soldiers there making sure there was peace. If you stepped out of line, you would know it. But the peace was there. They were prosperous and this is the kingdom that he built. And there's two things I wanna mention here. One is, as I said, it's rooted in history. But the second thing I want us to notice, and we can easily miss it in this story, we just read through it, is that in this story, we see God using the most powerful man on the earth in this time, the head of the Roman Empire. God uses him to fulfill his purposes. Why do I say that? Well, 700 years before this, the prophet Micah, you can read it in the scriptures, 700 years, he prophesied where the Saviour would be born. We read it in Micah 5 too. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, such a small town really, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from from of old, from ancient times. This is where the Messiah will come from. This is where the Saviour will be born. From you, little Bethlehem, that's where he's gonna come from. This was spoken 700 years before this event. Where did Mary and Joseph come from? From Nazareth. Oh, interesting, God has a little issue here in one sense. Where is the Saviour gonna be born? Bethlehem. So God could have done lots of things uh, for this baby to be born in Bethlehem, God could have, in the easiest way, just chosen a young girl from Bethlehem to have the Saviour, and there she would, uh, the Saviour would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter. Many tradies would tell you it's not hard to line up a job for a relative. <laughs> you get asked for lots of jobs. Maybe God could have said, oh, Joseph, you got a job down in Bethlehem, and then the, the baby would be born in Bethlehem. But what God did was he used the most powerful person in history at that time, Augustus Caesar, to call a census that Mary and Joseph would go to Bethlehem to be born. Can you see that? Isn't it incredible that you see God over history, sovereign and powerfully working out a reality, actually a prophecy or a prediction from 700 years in advance using Augustus Caesar to call a census that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Stop and think about that. Why I say that is because when we realise this is how God works, we realise how big God is. God is incredibly big. God is incredibly powerful. Caesar Augustus was receiving worship. He was seemingly the most powerful one in this world. And then yet God, we see this picture of God using him like a little pawn, say, okay, I need Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. How about you just call a census and he's just being used like a pawn on a chessboard. This is who God is. I mention this because 
There are many times in our life that we uh, ask the question, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? I can't see you in this situation. I can't see you in this circumstance. Hazard a guess that Mary would have asked some of those questions and she trudged between Nazareth and Bethlehem. Why am I making this trip? I'm about to have a baby. Here, God, I am. Your saviour and I am going to Bethlehem. God, But in the midst of it, as we look at this story, as we step back, we see God was absolutely at work. God was providentially at work, sovereignly at work, using Caesar Augustus to fulfill his purposes. I want you to be encouraged today. God is in control. And sometimes it's not very clear. I mean, there was no bells and whistles to this. It's only on reflection that we look back and can see God doing this. But This was happening in the back blocks of Bethlehem. Not many people were realising the Saviour was coming into the world at this point of time, but God was intentionally and powerfully at work. It it was real. It's grounded in history. God is in control. God is working out his plans and purposes. And it was reliable. We can trust it. Nathan mentioned the, the, the way that prophecies in Jesus' life were fulfilled. Uh, when we look at the, the life of Jesus, there are 300 prophecies, predictions about his life that were all fulfilled in the scriptures. Things like that he was born in Bethlehem, born to a virgin Mary, or virgin, uh, betrayed by friends, led to the slaughter, but he would not say a word. He would be crucified on a cross. That was predicted before Romans were crucifying anyone. He would be given sour wine um, on the cross. A a, A spear would pierce his side. People would gamble for his clothing while he was being crucified. He would be buried in a rich man's grave. It was predicted that he would rise again. All of these things were predicted. 300 prophecies. And as Nathan shared, like the probability of that happening he mentions like the coins covering the whole of the state of Texas, or if you want an Australian version, all of New South Wales up to 50 centimetres covered in coins and I throw one in there and you have to find it somewhere just naturally, the first one you pick out. That would be the probability of someone coincidentally fulfilling all of these things. This is who God is. And some people might wonder, can I believe this? Can I trust this is real? Well, I tell you, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the burden of proof of what was said about Jesus and how he lived his life and fulfilled things written out about his life that he wasn't in control of. He wasn't in control of where he'd be born. He couldn't tell the the Romans to crucify him. There's so many things out of his control, but he fulfilled every one of them. Not only is it rooted in history, it is absolutely reliable and authentic. And I encourage you, I mean, it's not hard to, to realise that there are parts of this story that might blow our mind. A Virgin Mary, a Saviour coming from heaven to earth. But I wanna encourage you, this is not just a story. This is rooted in history and it's impacting the world even today. It impacts our lives even today. The second thing I wanna mention is that it's revelation. This is God not only coming to earth, but it is God showing us who he is. Let me read the second part of the story. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Here we go, we we get a picture of who has just been born. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, he is the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared and the angel with the angels and praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on, on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Sometimes people have said to me, if God was real, and I understand this question, if God was real, why wouldn't he come and show himself to me? 
And often I would say, he has. He has in Jesus Christ. And there are, as I mentioned earlier, there are 300 truths pointing, this is who he is, this is who he is, this is who he is. You wanna know who he is? You know, wanna know that he's authentic? You look at all these things and there you'll find Jesus. If you're looking for hope in life, peace in life, you wanna find him, there he is. Look at Jesus. And it says there, who is Jesus? Who is this little baby born laying in this manger? It says he is the saviour. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. What's interesting about this story is that as we've seen, God is in control of this whole situation. He can use Caesar Augustus to work out his plans and purposes. There's a few things that are quite interesting. The fact that Mary and Joseph had nowhere to stay. What is that? Like, is, is it that Joseph, like, there might be other guys here can relate to this, just forgot to organise the accommodation on their trip? <laughs> uh, is that what happened? Is, is the fact um, that if, if God was sending the Saviour to the world and he wanted to announce it to the world, wouldn't he not get like a PR company in the middle of Rome or Jerusalem to tell not shepherds who are despised, who are outcasts, who are in the back blocks of Bethlehem. Like, what was going on here? And the reality is this is absolutely, perfectly intentional and planned by God. But why? why? Why would God do that? And what is God trying to say to us through the reality that there the Saviour lies in a manger? It's actually incredible. When I thought of this this week, I was like, my heart was like amazed. Well, God was revealing his character. Jesus didn't come to a palace. He didn't come to a place where people would say, whoa, isn't he awesome in a palace? And let's get the PR companies to realise how amazing he is. He came to a lowly stable. He came and was born amongst the filth of animals and he revealed it to shepherds. This tells us something about the character of God. That he would love us, that he would love you, that he would love the world so much that he would from heaven, from the glory of heaven, we cannot comprehend how amazing that is. He would willingly, despite having all authority and all power, having spoken the world into being, he would willingly step out of heaven to come to earth, but not only come to earth, but choose and actually design to be born in a stable with animals and lay in a manger, a feeding trough. What's he trying to say to us? He's saying he will go, there are no lengths that Jesus will not go to to show that he loves you. He is willing in this world when a lot of leaders with power want prominence and control and to stand over people, he will come underneath. He will come underneath humanity and stoop to the lowest, lowest place to show how much he loves the world. That's what he's saying. It's not an accident. They didn't just miss the accommodation. God was sending a message to you to say, this is how much I love you. And this was actually the way of his whole life. It's not just the manger scene. This is how Jesus lived his life. He walked amongst people, he served them, he loved them. And then as we read later in the story, he was willing to lay down his life for people. Let me just read some of these passages that show the character of God. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, rich, heaven, he's got everything, yet for your sake, your sake, he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, through his sacrifice, through his humility, you might become rich. There's a transaction taking place. That Jesus has come into this world for you, for me. He's He's gone into poverty, he's died that we might live. If you wanna find fullness of life, as I said, look at Jesus. Look at what he's done for you. If you wanna see a love, if you're looking for love in this world, I tell you, you will not find a greater love than the unconditional love of Jesus. 
In Philippians 2, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's not the God that he would be. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, coming as a human, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isn't it incredible? As I said, there are no lengths that Jesus would not go to to show his love to us, to the world, that he would lay down his life for us. And then in Mark 10, it says, Jesus said himself, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I I read these passages and I think, oh God, I love you. (laughs) I love you even more. That, That my God, that God would love so much that he's not, he is powerful. He is sovereign. But how does he use that power? To love and to serve humanity. We can compare him with Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus sat in the comfort and the riches of his palace. He claimed divinity and worship. He was proclaimed as a savior of the world. He sat back and took a census all across his whole empire and and the poorest of the poor were paying taxes to him. And he forcefully brought people Um, into peace and submission. That's who Caesar Augustus. And then Luke is painting this picture about Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords coming, who left, can you see the difference in character? He left, willingly left the glory of heaven, the one who had true power and authority, the one that spoke the world into being and then uses people like Augustus Caesar to, to work out plans and purposes willfully chose to come as a baby to the lowest, lowest of circumstances to show how much he loved the world, willingly laid down his life as a saviour. Incredible, incredible news. Why did he do this? Why did God do this? You know, when someone does something so drastic, there's gotta be a big problem. And the reality is he was coming to reconcile the world to himself to restore relationship with humanity that people could actually know personally the God who loves them so deeply and bring life to people. And we've heard testimonies after testimony this year of people being baptised and saying, God has come into my life. I know his love and everything is different. It's changed. That's what he came. That's why Jesus came to this world. And the news of Jesus' coming would be great joy not great judgment. Let me explain that. It'll be great joy. That's what it says in this passage, not judgment. Uh, Charles Spurgeon shares this story of a pastor back in, the, in England in the 19th century who went to visit a woman in his congregation. Now, this lady was very, very poor and they had um, some money in the church to look after the poor and he, he got this money together to take it over to her. And he went over to visit her and he knocked on the door ready to give her this gift and no one answered. And he knocked again and no one answered. He continued to knock before concluding that she mustn't be home. So he went back and then on Sunday at church, he saw this lady again. He said, oh, I came to visit you this week. Um, I knocked on the door, but no one was home. And she said, oh, when did you come? He said, oh, I came around Thursday at noon. And all of a sudden she looked embarrassed and she said, oh, I, I, was, I was actually at home, um, but I thought you were my landlord coming for the rent and I hid. And sometimes I wonder if people, we, me, we might see Jesus as the landlord wanting to come and bring judgment or require something of us. And it leads us to think, well, I can't do it. I can't pay him. I'm not perfect. I'm not pure. I'm not holy. I I can't live the Christian life. Like my heart is too 
wicked, deceitful, I've done too much, thinking that Jesus is coming requiring something of me that I can never ever give. But in this story we see Jesus not coming to bring judgment. He's not coming to require holiness of us. Just as that pastor did, he came to pay the debt. And this is what Jesus is doing on the cross. This is why Jesus came to the world to pay your debt. There's a holy God who has created you, a holy God full of love and life that wants to know you. But there is a problem of our sin and our brokenness, a debt that needs to be paid. And it doesn't matter how hard we work, it doesn't matter what we do, we know we will never, never be holy, so we hide. And Jesus is saying, don't hide, come. And I reckon that's a message for us this morning as I was preparing this. Just had that sense that it's, uh, it's very easy for us to hide from God because of the sin in our life. Might be someone who knows Jesus, might be some that don't know Jesus, but we just hide. What God, why would God love me? Well, Jesus has come to be your saviour. He's come to pay that debt. As you drove to church today, you might have seen all sorts of rubbish out on the road. Around Bridgman Downs, the, the big pickup or clean up. And someone in my street, um, we went through our garage and we found lots of rubbish. Maybe some rodents too, to be honest. <laughs> lots of rubbish. And isn't it incredible that we can just take all of that rubbish, put it on the curbside and someone will collect it. Well, Jesus is saying, I'm ready to take your rubbish. Bring it to me. Don't hide it in your garage. Don't hide it from me. I wanna be your saviour. I love you so much that I would come from heaven to earth. I would die on a cross that all of your rubbish, all of your sin could be taken. That I could pay my debt. If you look at my garage, it looks awesome. In a little while, when all that rubbish is taken, the street's gonna look clean. It's gone. I'll never see it again. And I wanna tell you, if you put your hope, your trust and faith in Jesus, he wants to take all of your sin and he wants to give you new life. Jesus has not come to condemn you. He's come to forgive you and to give you life and life to the full. You will never, ever be able to earn your righteousness the only thing I would say that we learn from this passage is that he revealed this truth and those that accepted it were the humble shepherds. Humble shepherds that were willing to say, I need a saviour. Now you might be listening to me and think, well, I don't even need God. Well, one of the conditions I believe in this is to be humble and say, Jesus, I need a saviour. I need forgiveness. I need you to take my guilt. I need you to take my shame. I need you to help me. Because God won't force himself upon us, but he invites us, just those shepherds, like these shepherds, to say, yes, I need a saviour. I need a Lord. And as you see, this is a message that brings joy, great joy, great freedom into people's hearts. I feel just to say, maybe today, just stop hiding. Don't hide from God. He loves you more than you can imagine. Can you imagine coming from heaven to earth into a stable, to a cross? Because he loves you. He loves me, he loves the world and he wants the world to know this message that you do not have to hide from God. Bring your rubbish to him, he'll clean it, he'll take it. He'll bring you life, he'll give you life to the full. God loves you today. If you're online, God loves you more than you can imagine. This Christmas, this morning, make a decision, say, yes, Jesus, you are my saviour. I need a saviour in my life. Invite him into your heart. Allow him to work in your heart and in your life. And finally, we see here the third R is response. The shepherds have a response. 
to this great news. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this great thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured all, up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Very simply, if I just put it real clearly, when you read this, you think, oh, I wonder what happened when the shepherds met Jesus. Well, we don't get any picture of that. All it says is they went to see him and they told what they had seen and heard. They told Mary and Joseph and then they told all and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said and they just told. And what I love about this is that when Jesus, God looked to broadcast this message, he chose shepherds. Shepherds weren't, they weren't even that well respected. They definitely weren't um, that intellectual wise. They didn't have much influence, but you know what they could do? They could tell others what they had seen and heard. They weren't incredible, they weren't special, but they told what they had seen and what they had heard. And this Christmas, we have the immense privilege, unbelievable privilege to tell our world, tell our community, tell our friends, our neighbours and our families that there is a God who loves them. There is a God who has come from them, for them, a God that has purpose for them, the God that can give them life. You know I really believe um, people are more willing to listen to this message than ever before. We heard about it at schoolies, um, this number of stories our young adults had to share about God's love to people there. There's one story, it's a group of young adults there with this young girl, maybe 17, 18. She began to share her story, a story of incredible brokenness and pain that she'd been through in just a short life. And that he shared with her and just shared God's love for her. And at the, as, as they were sharing, she said, oh, thank you so much for listening to me. I just feel that you don't judge me at all. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't, it like, isn't that the reality? It's not judgment that's coming. Love comes, grace comes, forgiveness comes. That, that's who Jesus is. And sadly, there are many that, that feel that Jesus might come to condemn but not at all, that is not the truth. Jesus has come to save and to rescue and pour out his love into hearts. I love a story I read in the Thanksgiving booklet this week. It's about one of the streetlight team who work with people in their local community. It said, I was out on the street, I went this morning to get my coffee when I saw a homeless guy sleeping on a bench, talking in his sleep. Jesus asked if I would forego that coffee and exchange it for one for this guy. Some of us in our morning coffees would know how hard that might be. I was particularly torn over that, but I went with it. As I headed back to him from the coffee shop, he was awake and just about to head off. I stopped and handed the coffee and a croissant as well. We all wanted to be doing more, he said, you know, rather than just give the coffee, give a croissant as well. I asked him to sit and he did. He took a sip from the cup and he asked me why I did that. I replied that Jesus had asked me to bring a coffee to him. He looked at me and started to look around asking, where was this Jesus bloke that had told me to stop? Was it that guy on the corner selling the big issue? Is that him? I thought for a second. Oh no, he is the son of God. Do you know who God is? You know, there are people who don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who God is. They don't know of a God who has loved them. We get the opportunity to show love, to share love. He replied with an answer that I've never heard before. He said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I know of God. I may have before I came here, but I just can't remember anything about my life before that. As a tear came down my face, we had a brief conversation about who God is and the God that loves him more than he will ever know and that God has been wanting him to come home. I'm not sure if he understood what I um, said, but he gave me a huge hug 
and he couldn't stop thanking me for stopping. As I headed back to work, a little more smelly from the hug, but feeling another level of God, that he is wanting me to learn from stepping out in faith in a situation of love. Once again, he says, I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to do it. Do you have a mustard seed of faith, just a little bit of faith, that God might wanna reach into those around you, into their lives and show love? Mustard seed of faith that if you just give an invitation, maybe that is a turning point or the difference in someone's life, maybe just a, a coffee, maybe an act of service, whatever it is, it is incredible, isn't it, that God would choose us, choose you and me to be the carriers of this message. He chose shepherds back then, but now he chooses me and you to share the love of God with our community and with our world. Would you join me in praying as we pray for this Christmas season? Lord, it is an incredible thought. It's an incredible thing just to stop and think of the reality that you chose to leave heaven, to come to earth, to live the life that you did in serving and then dying on a cross for us, Lord. It's, it's incredibly humbling. And it makes us wanna love you more that we don't worship a God who wants to lord it over us but we worship a God who comes to serve us. That's incredible. And I wanna thank you, God, that you sent a saviour. Thank you, Jesus, that you've come to rescue us. You've come to save us. You've come to forgive us. Adam and Eve hid in the garden from you, God, and ever since the human heart, we hide from you. And we're missing out on the greatest love there is in this world. And I just wanna, if, if anyone here, if you, you, you I guess you, you can see that in your own life. Maybe you've been hiding from God in some way. It might be physically hiding, or maybe it's even just spiritually or emotionally hiding. I'm sure if Jesus was here, he'd say, come to me. Come to me. Just, just be humble and give over these aspects of your life, whatever might be junk or rubbish that needs to be taken out. It might be things that are part of your past. It, it might be shame. You'll know the Spirit of God will show you, but maybe today is a day. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, take my rubbish, clean my heart. I'll never be able to be good enough. I'll never be able to work hard enough. I wanna receive your love and your grace right now. And just pray that even in your heart right now. Jesus, come, come forgive me, come into my life. And Lord, we wanna thank you that this message is too good not to share. Lord, we, we long for our community to know of this love. We want people to know the transforming work of Jesus in their lives. Thank you for who you are. Help us to shine you, to show you, to serve, to be like you in this world. Bless every one of these hampers, Lord God. As they go into homes, may people know that they are deeply loved by their Creator. May they know that there is a God who has come for them, to save them, to give them hope, to give them future, to give them love, purpose. Lord Jesus, we pray many, many lives will be touched this Christmas, that they will know the love of God. Lord, prompt us. If there are people in our lives that we can pray for, we can invite, Lord, if there's ways we can serve, I think of Christmas lights, just welcoming our community onto these grounds with a smile, with a shake of a hand, with the serving of a burger, whatever it might be, Lord, we wanna love our community well. We wanna serve them, Lord Jesus. Use each one of us. What a joy it is to serve. Lord, help us to do it well, we pray. 
And we do this for you and for your kingdom, for, for you to be glorified, for you, for people to recognise how great you are. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, we're gonna continue in worship now. If you wanna stand, we'll sing this song. And just, yeah, it is a message of great joy. So let's, let's sing joyfully and thank God for who He is and what He's done in sending His Son. Thanks for praise this morning. It truly is, isn't it? He is the best message in all the world. God revealing His love to us, leaving the glory of heaven, stepping into this world, a cradle in the dirt, would give His very life for us. What a King that we serve. And just like those shepherds, we wanna tell everyone what we have seen and heard, spread this 
good news message this Christmas. Be praying about those you can invite, bring along to all the Christmas events that are happening. Keep praying with this church too. Join us on Tuesday night as we pray together online. We'd love to have lots of people there with us. And the last thing we wanna do is just wanna pray particularly for the Solomon Islands today. Many of you will heard on the news, the unrest there. We have very personal connections, strong connections with the Solomons. I saw Jenny Siru walking walk in before, who's from the Solomon Islands. I don't know if you're here, Jenny, somewhere. I thought I saw you around. Uh, maybe up, up the top there, but we wanna pray for the Solomons and just ask God's blessing there. So let's join our hearts together as we do that now. Lord, we wanna lift up our brothers and sisters in the Solomon Islands. Uh, today as well, Lord, we pray you'll be with them. We pray you'll bring peace to this nation. And Lord, this is part of the Christmas message too, why you came to bring peace, Lord, to our world. And this is your heart, great God. We wanna pray for your church in the Solomon Islands, for believers there, Lord, that you'll strengthen them, that you'll help them in this season as they seek to show your love in the midst of all that's happening there. Fill them with faith, fill them with strength, Lord. May your church unite together and rise up in this time. May people turn to you in this time, we pray. And so we commit them to you. We do pray, pray for family members connected here, Jenny and Doris and others, Lord, connected here in this church, family over there. Bless them, be so near to them, we pray. For our Solomon Islands Connect group, Lord, we pray your special blessing on them as well. But we bring this need to you now. We give you thanks. Pray your blessing on each and every one. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer, our prayer team will be down the front. They'd love to pray for you. Our Connections Lounge is opening up right now. Make sure you head there if you're new or you want to meet some people and do stay for tea and coffee. And God bless to all those joining us online as well. Thanks so much for sharing with us.